Welcome to Talk To Me Baby, the show that believes knowing yourself and living in accordance with who you are is the biggest asset you can possess in life. I am your host, Emily Armas, and today we are talking about identity shifts and self-sabotage and why you can't have one without the other. Like Cookies and Cream, like Elizabeth and Darcy, like Rock and Roll, if you are going through an identity shift, you are going to bump up against self-sabotage. I'm going to talk a little bit about what an identity shift is, what the stages of going through an identity shift entail, and then we'll zoom out and we'll talk about the big picture stuff. Why does this happen and why is it important that you know this going in? So first, let's define what an identity shift is. An identity shift is when you are making a change in an area of your life that basically stretches you and you're becoming a different version of yourself. And in order for that to happen, the old you has to die. The old you, the old beliefs, the old habits, the old ways of being, the old ways of reacting have to go in order to make room for this new evolution in who you are as a person. And the reason that you are going to come up against self-sabotage is because the old you doesn't want to go quietly. It doesn't want you to change. It wants you to stay the same because if you stay the same, you are safe and it doesn't want you venturing off into this unknown territory. Like the Taylor Swift song, the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. Why? She's dead. You have to kill those parts of yourself off and you have to allow them to go in order for you to move forward and become whoever it is that you're trying to become. So an identity shift could involve health or your physical appearance. It could be in the area of relationships, your career path, and also your personality and your spirituality. What traits you're known for, how you react, how you walk through life, your own relationship with yourself and with um, that bigger part of you, your soul, in other words. So when you're making these changes, you're going to at some point experience self-sabotage. And it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. It's just part of the process. And what happens a lot of times is that we are going on the path and we get to a point where like things are kind of starting to happen. And then it's like we take two steps forward and then we take three back. And that's because of self-sabotage. So if you know what's going to happen ahead of time, then you can avoid beating yourself up and being too harsh on yourself when you find yourself in that pattern because it's going to happen. So let's go into the three stages of identity shifts. We'll zoom in. The first stage is that your brain is going to fight you. Your brain is going to want to tell you all of the reasons why whatever you're planning on doing is a bad idea. All of the limiting beliefs will happen. All of the negative self-talk will come up. Your only goal during this stage is to try to shift the negative beliefs and the limiting beliefs and make yourself feel better. That is how you deal with them. You don't fight the logic with logic. You try to soften the thoughts. You're not trying to fully get rid of them. You are just simply trying to soften them so that you can feel a little bit better. And by doing so, you'll start to actually shift your beliefs. But it's too hard and demanding to say, oh no, I have a negative self, you know, I have a negative belief and I have to make it the opposite. It's too much of a jump for you. So you have to approach this where you're just trying to take the edge off basically. So what are some examples? Let's say that you are changing careers and you're going in an entirely different direction. You're going to a new industry. It's different from what you've done before. Some of the limiting beliefs that might come up are, I'm never going to get a job. I don't have enough experience in this area. I'm going to have to start from zero. No one is going to hire me when there are all these other candidates who are much more qualified. 
it's no longer an advantage to the job seekers. Now the employers have the advantage and employers are laying off people left and right. So I don't see how I'm going to find a job. I'm going to have to take a massive pay cut. I'm not going to find something in the pay range that I want for this position. It's going to be way too hard to convince somebody to hire me. Blah, 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 blah. Those are examples of limiting beliefs. So how would you soften that? If you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm going in a brand new industry and I don't have any experience, so I don't know how I'm going to get a job. You could say, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to get a job, but there are people who have switched industries successfully and somehow it worked out for them. Can your brain argue with that? Not really, because it's true. And I bet you could think of some examples. So you're not trying to just completely go to the opposite, which would be like, no, it's going to be great. I'm going to find a job because you know you don't believe that. <laughs> not yet, at least. Don't do that to yourself. Just try to take the edge off a little bit. If, for example, you're thinking, I'm not going to be able to find the right position for me and the right salary requirements. You could say, you know what, that might be a challenge, but I'm sure that somehow I'll be able to work it out. Or if I can't find something that's exactly in the range, maybe there'll be other benefits or perks that save me money in the long run. Like I don't really know what the possibilities are, so let me not judge too quickly. Okay. Again, you're not directly fighting the brain and saying, nope, I'm going to go to the opposite. You are just softening. Okay. The goal is just to make yourself feel a little bit better. And when these come up, write them out. Don't be afraid of them. Write them out so that you can at least see what you're working with and what you're dealing with so that you can journal, you can calm yourself down, you can just make yourself a little bit happier, a little bit more relieved, a little bit more at ease. That's the goal. The second stage is when you start taking action. Okay, so now you've got the limiting beliefs mostly under wrap and you, you know, you're still going to be dealing with them because the truth is you're never not going to have limiting beliefs in life. As you evolve as a human being, you are always going to have limiting beliefs. When I figured this out, I was like, seriously, there's like never an end to this. No, there's not. Your brain's always going to be trying to keep you quote unquote safe, but keeping you the same. And if you ever want anything to change in your life, you're going to have to <laughs> deal with the limiting beliefs and it'll get to a point where they're a lot easier to deal with, but we never get rid of them. So in the second stage, you have been able to make yourself feel better when you're dealing with the limiting beliefs and now you're actually doing stuff. So in our example, you're applying to jobs, you are actively looking, you are networking, you're talking to people, you're planting seeds, okay? This is the stage where self-sabotage comes in because self-sabotage is like, um, excuse me, ma'am, what are we doing here? Like, uh, I see you taking action and I see you doing things and the limiting beliefs are not working. So your brain tries to get real sneaky and your subconscious will start to create obstacles and challenges that may or may not even exist. You might actually create problems to hold yourself back. Me currently, I'm in this stage and it just dawned on me this week because I caught myself and I was stuck in a pattern that was kind of familiar to me and I was like, oh, I'm doing this so that I can avoid doing what I already know I need to do and taking the action that I know I need to just so that I don't actually do it. So your brain can get a little sneaky and for you it might show up as distractions. It might show up as kind of getting to the edge of the cliff but not jumping off. So for example, let's say you – are doing your thing, you're networking, you're looking for jobs and you find something. And that job seems absolutely perfect for you. It seems like it would be a great fit. You're about to sit down and actually apply to it. And then you suddenly get the brilliant idea to go clean out your garage. 
Great, great timing. And then the next day you get distracted and you start watching um, a series on Netflix. And then the next day something else comes up. And then before you know it, you've blown past the deadline for you to apply and then poof, it's gone. Another thing might be like you have a contact who sends you an email and is like, oh, contact this person. And you like, you just never get back to them. You just never do it, right? The reason is because you're like about to press the button and you're like, no, I can't do it. You freak out. You freak out and you don't do it. And that's what self-sabotage is designed to do. So through distraction, through uncomfortable feelings, that's when you, you're you not going to take action. You're not going to move forward because if you did, things might actually change. What you need to do in this phase is just be aware. That's it. Be aware that it's happening. Catch yourself when it's happening. I think it's helpful to make a list on what are you actually going to do and kind of try to follow that. I'm not great at following the lists and doing the things. I'm still working on that. If you listen to episode two of this podcast about un- being undisciplined and unmotivated, maybe you will relate because I can make the list, but am I going to do it all? I'm going to do it in my sweet time. And my sweet time is probably longer than it needs to be. I, I hem and I haul and I procrastinate and I find ways to not deal with it. And it's just because I am scared to take the action. The other thing that might happen at stage two is your body might actually physically react to you taking the action. So you might feel kind of unsteady, unshaky, unshaky, shaky. Uh, you might feel anxious for like no reason. You might feel just uneasy in general. And it's because your body is acclimating and is adjusting to you kind of going into this new period. In stage two, we're really in that kind of transitional phase because you've started to take action. And so your brain and your body is like, oh, well, we're really doing this. Like we're going. And that's when it's like, oh, I feel a little uncomfortable. Stage three is when now this has become a new normal for you. You're still going to have limiting beliefs come up. You still might even have sabotaging patterns that come up, but you're going to be aware of them a lot faster. And you're really starting to move into that identity where other people notice as well. So a few years ago, I was extremely anxious. I was an overthinker. I was indecisive. I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust the universe. And I was able to really work on that and, and heal that. I went from being somebody who was an entire, like a complete hypochondriac. When I worked in an office, if somebody sneezed next to me, I was out with the Lysol like psh, in their face. I didn't even care because I just was convinced that I would get sick. And my past history had taught me that that was true. And so I was just a complete and utter hypochondriac. And it took me a long time to really learn how to trust myself. And now I'm much better about following my intuition and not letting my brain convince me of different things. And so I feel like I'm the one directing my life a lot more. And I also feel that I'm not living in victimhood because I used to really kind of see myself as a victim, like, oh, why is this happening to me? And now I know that's not true. Did that happen overnight? No. But I can tell you that in stage three, other people started to notice that about me. And they were like, huh, you, you know, you seem different. Or like, huh, you're not freaking out about this. Or like, huh, I would have expected this reaction from you. The way that you behave and the way that you react is going to change. And people who really know you are going to be able to notice that. You yourself will find that situations that used to get under your skin maybe don't anymore. Or things that you used to be afraid of, you're not anymore. And that's the really cool part because now – you're kind of fully on the other side of it and you are in that energy of the person that you wanted to be or this vision that you had for your future and what you wanted. So let's zoom out for a second. Let's talk about why it's super normal for your brain to fight you and why the most important part of all of this and you initiating this change is the fact that it's not just you and your brain that you're dealing with. 
you are kind of unlearning patterns that you've had your entire life. Because when we're kids, we're really tuned into who we are, just intuitively, naturally. And then as we get older, we get influenced by our friends, our family, our parents, our peers, our teachers, society, the times that we're living in. And you might start adopting ways of being and ways of reacting that are not even really you. And so this whole process of identity shifting is really just you becoming more you. And if you look at it from that perspective, it's a little easier to deal with the bumps in the road because you're like, no, I, I feel that I need to go in this direction. I really want to explore this direction. I'm going to do it. And that creates a sense of trust. That creates a sense of empowerment. Like, hey, I'm the one in charge here and I'm the one that gets to decide what I want to do and how I want to react and how I want to live and how I want to be and how I want to operate in the world. Nobody else can choose that for you. But you have to remove and release and shed like a little onion, like a little spring onion, all of the things that you've picked up along the way from society that tells you that things have to be this way or like this is just the best way to live and this is the best way to do this. And no, the best way to do anything is by listening to what your inner voice is telling you. And your inner voice is talking to you all the time. The question is, are you listening? If you are making an identity shift, just trust that you have you have listened. Because if you're doing anything and it is scary and it is freaking you out, then props, my friend, because that means you listened to something, right? You listened to that intuitive part of you. And even though you might not feel like you know what you're doing, the fact that you're even considering taking action in a new direction is cool. The second thing that I want to get into when we're zooming out is you need to be careful about talking to people about this shift until you yourself feel pretty solid. When we're moving from stage one to stage two and you feel like you've started to really get a handle on the limiting beliefs, that's when maybe you can really start talking to people about it. But while it's still an idea, while it's still something that you're exploring, while it's still something that is a daydream for you, don't talk to other people about it unless you know that they can be a neutral third party that is going to allow you to express without them projecting their fears and their anxieties and their worries on you, okay? You need somebody who's going to be able to listen and ask questions to help you get clarity, not to poke holes in whatever it is that you're trying to do. Because we've all had that experience where you're like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm thinking I might move here. I think I might, I might do this. I might try that. And they're like, oh, no, you don't want to do that because this and this and this. And it's so hard. And did you know that my friend Tommy, he moved here and then he died. And then this happened. And then this was terrible. And they're going to come up with a million reasons why you shouldn't. And for the most part, they mean well. They're just trying to keep you safe. They're trying to warn you so that you avoid pain and frustration. But the risk of that is that they warn you so much you don't do anything. And so you don't want to allow them to sway you in the wind, like your little leaf on the wind and you're just going every which way. So you want to make sure you're solid before you start talking about it. And that will also give you a sense of control and a sense of not control in a bad way, right? Controls and like, I, I've got this. I'm the one driving the ship. I know what I'm doing. You already have enough to worry about with your own limiting beliefs. You don't need to add other people's to the mix. So don't talk about it unless you really feel solid and you feel like you're talking to somebody who you can trust who's not going to try to talk you out of whatever it is that you're deciding to do. Let's recap. The three stages of shifting your identity are, number one, your brain is going to fight you and you're going to have to deal with the limiting beliefs. Number two, you're going to start to take action and this is where self-sabotage might pop up. And number three, you are going to be embodying that new version and it's going to become more natural to you to act like that new identity that you're trying to 
become. It's going to be your new normal. If you are in the middle of an identity shift, I'm right there with you. I'm in stage two personally. I caught myself in a pattern this week where I was going in circles and I was researching things and I was spending a lot of time on social and online looking up information that is like no way even relevant to me in this moment. <laughs> I bought the Patrick Ta blush, the one that's the duo and he puts the powder first and then the cream and like the cheeks just look so luscious and beautiful. And it was totally the wrong color. It was straight up orange on me. I returned it at Sephora. I swatched a bunch of things. And the next thing I know, I'm spending hours researching blush formulas and cream to powder and like all this stuff. And I love makeup, don't get me wrong, but I just had to catch myself. I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, why does this feel suddenly so important? And it is not. And I was able to realize, oh, yeah, because I'm avoiding doing all the other things <laughs> that I need to do as part of this identity shift. So you are not alone. I'm right there with you. As always, anything that we've talked about in this episode is listed down in the description below, including anything that I'm wearing that is linkable. I want to invite you to join Petal Spill. Petal Spill is my email list, and it used to be very marketing-focused. It actually used to have a different name as Goldmind, and now she has evolved. She has shifted identities, if you will, and she has become Petal Spill. And Petal Spill is going to include essays, writings, little skits, more of what you're seeing on this podcast. I sent out an email recently. It was a skit based on a couple living in Elizabethan England and what happened after they went to a Shakespeare play and the wife was super paranoid. So it's fun. It's lighthearted. I would love for you to join and become a spiller. Link is down below. I am your host of Talk To Me Baby, Emily de Armas. I will talk to you later.